a sweet touch of the Holy Ghost is in this place today. Amen. I want to hasten to the word of the Lord. The book of Judges, chapter number 13, is where I want to invite you. Read the word of the Lord with me today. And expired some of the clock this morning already. And I will be mindful of the time. But I do not want to finish preaching before the Holy Ghost is done reaching. Amen. And uh, how many of you came hungry for the word of the Lord today? Amen. This morning I came to a very quick, abrupt awakening. This seems to be somewhat of a pattern at times. Last night I went to bed trying to feel after what the Lord wanted to do today. But this morning, I, as I woke up, I immediately felt the Lord speak a phrase and a biblical reference to me. And I knew at that very moment that there was a definitive word from God for this house today. And so I want to do my best to obey what God wants to say in this sanctuary. Book of Judges chapter 13, and I want to begin reading with one verse here, verse number 7. But he said unto me, Behold, thou shalt conceive and bear a son. And now drink no wine nor strong drink and neither eat any unclean thing. For the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb to the day of his death. Chapter 16 and verse number 4. says, and it came to pass afterward that he, this is the child that was born, loved a woman in the valley of Sorek whose name was Delilah. Verse 16 says, and it came to pass when she pressed him daily with her words and urged him so that his soul was vexed unto death, that he told her all his heart and said unto her, There hath not come a razor upon mine head, for I have been a Nazarite unto God from my mother's womb. If I be shaven, then my strength will go from me, and I shall become weak, be like any other man. And when Delilah saw that he had told her all his heart, she sent and called for the lords of the fish unto her and brought money in their hand. And she made him sleep upon her knees. And she called for a man and she caused him to shave off the seven locks of his head. She began to afflict him, and his strength went from him. And she said, The Philistines 
be upon thee, Samson. And he awoke out of his sleep and said, I will go out as at other times before and shake myself. And he wist not that the Lord was departed from him. Most transliterations on that last sentence say, and he did not even realize that the presence of the Lord had left him. And for a few moments this morning, I want to preach about fatal attractions and the deception of God's presence. Would you one more time lift your hands all over this house? Come on, we need the Lord to talk to us today. Oh, God, would you begin to move on the hearts of your people today? God, open our ears to hear what thus saith the Lord. God, open our hearts to hear what you want to talk to us about today. In the name of Jesus. Woo, God, I'm asking you right now. Come on, the Holy Ghost is already working on somebody's heart this morning. The Holy Ghost is already talking to somebody. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. You may be seated this morning. Out of all of the judges, Samson perhaps is the most interesting story to me. As you begin to think about Samson, one thing comes to mind because current day illustrators when trying to communicate or portray an image of what Samson might look like or be typically will render him artistically as a man of great stature. You will see drawings and artistic renderings of a man with very well-developed biceps and a large barrel-chested pectoral muscles. If you're having a difficult time visualizing that, just take a look at me while I'm preaching and <laughs> I'm just, I'm just playing. See, y'all weren't supposed to laugh, though. Y'all weren't supposed to laugh at that. I got a barrel all right. It's just in the wrong place. They said I got the chest, chest of drawers syndrome. My chest done fell in my drawers. <laughs> but you, you, you would typically see them painting pictures of him as a man of great stature because of the tremendous physical feats that he accomplished. <clears throat> However, the Bible is very explicit to let us know that his strength did not come because of his physical stature. But in fact, his strength came from the fact that he lived in a covenant with God. 
He lived in relationship with God and had committed himself to some things in the life. God, let it never be said of us that we ever begin to think that the strength that we have comes from our own ability, that the strength we possess somehow comes from our own efforts and our own training and our own development. But may we always remember that it is not by might nor by strength, but it is by my spirit, saith the Lord. He had strength because there was a covenant in his life. The problem is, is that we read about his mother and father in communication with God concerning the commitment of this young man. And so from the time he is born, uh, he is living this commitment uh, because it is simply uh, the way he was raised. Uh, it was what he was taught. Uh, it is what was handed to him uh, by his mother and his father. Uh, he lived within the guidelines of the covenant uh, because that is uh, what mom and dad said uh, he had to do. Uh, but can I tell you that always uh, there comes a time uh, when those covenants uh, cannot just be the covenant uh, of mom and dad, uh, but they have to become the covenant uh, of the child themselves. Seemingly, it always seems that in the kingdom of God, there is an experience by which people uh, come to the kingdom of God. They experience the power of the gospel message. Uh, and there is a seemingly a season of time by which they live for God under the influence uh, of a surrogacy uh, of the mother, the church. Uh, and, the, and there are people and influencers uh, and leaders in their life uh, that, that help them and, and are mentoring them. Uh, and for a while, God uses uh, those relationships uh, to guide and to steer uh, and to help develop uh, that adolescent Christian uh, that is trying to become what God wants them to be. Uh, but there comes a time uh, in the life of every apostolic uh, when this thing has to become uh, your own. Uh, there comes a time uh, when you you cannot survive just living for God because this is what the preacher said and this is what my best friend does and this is what everybody else is doing. There comes a time in your walk with God where you've got to open that book and the covenant is not between God and your parents but that covenant becomes something between you and you your God. I'm not just living this way because this is what the pastor preaches, but I'm living this way because I've spent time with God. I've spent time in his word and I understand that this is the relationship that I want with God. There comes a place where you've got to get this for yourself. 
There comes a place where you've got to dig in and you've got to be like Ruth when she said to Naomi, your God is my God and your people is my people. I don't know why I'm preaching this right now, but I just feel like preaching a little bit more. There's got to come a point in time where you say this truth has become my truth. This isn't just my mama's church. This isn't just my daddy's experience. This isn't just my daddy's Bible. This is my And I don't know the details, but somewhere in Samson's life, there was a stumbling point where he was living under this covenant, but he was always pushing at the edges, always trying to see how far can I get to the edge of the rules and the regulations. How far on the edge can I live and still technically be what God wants me to be? How close can I live? He had an infatuation with the Philistines. You understand that these were the enemies of God's people. These were the people that were trying to eradicate God's people. And yet Samson had an affinity and an affection for them that kept drawing him closer to the world, kept drawing him closer to things that God had told his people uh, to separate themselves from. Um, he kept being drawn toward them. Um, and you, you can read it when you get home. I don't have time this morning. Uh, but in chapter 14, there comes a time um, when, when he is looking uh, for a wife. Uh, he's looking for a woman. Um, and the Bible said that he went down uh, into the camp uh, of the Philistines. Uh, he went there to find a spouse. Uh, he went to a place where... Uh, where the people there uh, did not believe the same thing. Uh, they did not serve the same God. Uh, they did not have the same conviction. Uh, they did not have the same understanding. Uh, and it was there uh, that he began to look amongst the women uh, and look for himself uh, a wife uh, until finally he came back uh, to his mom and dad uh, and said, hey, I have seen a woman uh, that I would like to be my wife. Uh, and and there unfolds for us uh, the plight of Samson uh, that somewhere along the journey uh, he never made the switch uh, from this being a covenant uh, between his mom and dad uh, to this being a covenant uh, between him uh, and God. Uh, and so Samson uh, is ignoring everything that he's been taught. Uh, he's pushing against everything uh, that he knows is scriptural. Uh, and his mom and dad look at him and say, Samson, were there not many women amongst your own people? Were there not many options of women who have given themselves to God, who are already living for God, that you would go out into the Philistines to try and find a wife? But he had his heart set. And it is here that the Bible begins to show us a depart the path that he had been taught his whole life. 
something inside of him that never was surrendered to God. And whatever that thing was inside of him caused there to be an attraction to the world. It caused an attraction and an affinity to things that were unholy. You can tell a lot about what's in you by what you're attracted to. You can tell a lot about what's going on inside of you uh, by what it takes to entertain you. I could get a big magnet uh, and I could put it next to that pulpit this morning uh, and that pulpit will never be attracted to the magnet uh, because there is nothing inside of the pulpit uh, that is attracted by uh, the magnet uh, but if I put that magnet next to something uh, with messy yourself uh, attracted to things uh, it ought to speak to you uh, about what is inside of you uh, there ought to come a point in your life uh, where God God is able to talk to you uh, and God is able to deal with you uh, about the things uh, that are pulling on you uh, and the things uh, that are influencing you uh, and the things uh, that have a hold uh, on you. He gets himself involved in one thing after the other, disregarding the truths he's been taught disregarding the principles of the law. This somewhere in his mind. You see, I call it the Samson syndrome. And the Samson syndrome is characterized by the idea that because I can still feel his presence, it means that everything I'm doing is okay. Samson began to become delusional because every time he found himself in a struggle, the Bible said that he would begin to shake himself. And when he shook himself, the presence of the Lord would come upon him and he would be able to perform great feats that would cause him to get himself out of trouble. And the problem is, is that every time he shook himself and he felt the presence of God, it sent a message of deception to him uh, that I must be doing okay, uh, that God must be accepting uh, of this disobedience uh, and the life that I'm living. Uh, can I just bring it down to where we live? Uh, too many people uh, come into the house of God uh, and they shake themselves as it were. Uh, I'm going to lift my hands a little while. Uh, I'm going to dance a little bit. Uh, and because I feel uh, his presence, uh, if you're not careful, it will begin to lie to you and tell you that because I can feel his presence, that everything I'm doing must be okay. But you can only withdraw for so long from an account without depositing. You can only pull that source of power for so long and how many times people mistake the grace and the mercy of God as somehow God saying you're alright living like you're living 
Oh, I know, I know. It's the Sunday after Thanksgiving, and uh, you want me to preach you happy this morning and tell me something that will make me dance and run the aisles uh, this morning, but I've got to obey uh, the area who has been straying, uh, who has been pushing on the borders, uh, and your barometer uh, has been whether or not you can still uh, feel the presence of God, uh, and because the grace uh, and the mercy of God uh, has not separated itself from you, uh, you continue to walk uh, in the wrong direction. What are you doing? What are you, what are you doing, Samson? He kept getting closer and closer. You go read it. The guide of his life was this is pleasing to me. This is what I desire. He let his human desires become the guiding force of direction in his life. Until finally, the Bible says that he met a woman the valley, I don't know, is it verse 4? Sophic, I believe it is. Chapter 16, I don't know, is it verse 4? By the name of Delilah. Valley of Sorek. The word Sorek means a choice vine. A choice vine. And the name Delilah means to rot or to slowly decay. His appetites and desires led him to a vine, a choice vine, with a fruit that had the effect of decay came attracted to her in a way that began to override all of his senses. It was a fatal attraction. Delilah begins to ask him, because he didn't know that the Philistines were watching him. And they were looking for every opportunity to take him out. And you don't understand that there are demonic forces that have been assigned to your life. And their job is to observe and to watch and to look for opportunities to snare you, to entrap. The Bible calls Satan, part of his attack, the snare of the fowler. A snare is a trap that is set on the ground. It's designed to be placed on a game trail where an animal walks frequently and has developed a trail. They'll put a snare up and they'll hide it so that as that animal walks there, uh, it places its foot in the snare. Uh, it calls it the snare uh, of the fowler. Uh, Satan is watching uh, your behaviors. Uh, he's watching your behavioral patterns. Uh, he's watching what you're attracted to. And he's looking for the right opportunity uh, to finish you off. And these Philistines saw 
that he was attracted to Delilah. And so they begin to make a backroom deal with her that they'll pay her 11,000 pieces of silver each if she'll discover for them the source of his power. And so, you know, Delilah, she starts batting her eyes at Samson. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. And she said, oh, Samson, my, what big muscles you had, Samson. And those wavy locks. When you've positioned yourself in life, and you've lost the identity of who you really are, Anybody can speak to you in that manner and cause you to come to your knees in vulnerability. I've watched young men and young ladies who never got the revelation of who they are. And any man that comes along uh, saying the right things, uh, any woman that comes along uh, with the right dimensions, uh, and all they have to do is start talking, uh, and it doesn't take long uh, before they are caught up uh, in a fatal attraction. Uh, they are caught up in an attraction. Uh, so you don't even realize, Samson, uh, that the thing you're attracted to uh, has a desire to kill you. The love affair is a deception. The relationship is a fake facade. You don't even understand that behind Delilah is a whole team of people that want to destroy you. You don't even realize that behind that cute smile and those words of affirmation that you've starved yourself for because you don't understand that your God loves you more than anybody else could ever love you and now you're caught up in the retractor beam of a fatal attraction come here, come here, come here, come here. okay, okay no, come on, come on, come on okay Samson, tell me, if a man wanted to destroy you, how would he go about doing it? This is a dumb brother. But you see, that's what fatal attractions look like. You become so blinded by your feeling your own desires uh, that you become blinded and ignorant uh, to the danger of what's in front of you. So he starts playing with her. Well, you know, if a man was to bind me with seven pieces of, you know, greenery that had not yet been dried out, then he could, he could take me out. And then she 
I don't know. I, I, I got some questions for, for the Lord when I get to heaven. She asks him this question, and then he puts his head in her lap and goes to sleep. That's what happens when you begin to erase the sensitivity in your life. And you feel comfortable in environments that are designed to kill you. Puts his head in her lap. First thing she does. Yeah, come on. He's sleeping. Come get him. They come tie him up with the greenery. She begins to say, Samson, the Philistines, to destroy you. Sometimes the people that have the biggest mouth of support Samson! Oh, I, see, as the reader, I just want to. But then I look at him and I will go, deserve what you get. He gets up, you know the story, the bands and then the guys say, okay, whoa, 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 something's wrong. Just stay back. Don't, don't try to get him now. Something's wrong. And so she, she starts pouting. You tricked me. You, you didn't tell me. If you really loved me, if you really loved me, Samson, you would tell me. And I don't have time to preach all of this. He said, okay, I'll tell you. If they take ropes that have never been tied around anybody else, that have never been occupied before, then that's, that's what it'll take, brand new ropes. And he goes, he goes to sleep again. She tried to get him once and he went to sleep again. What is it? It's a fatal attraction. I know it sounds ridiculous, but I can't tell you how many times as a pastor uh, that I watch people uh, embracing things in their life uh, that I'm saying, my God, uh, can't you see uh, the trick of the enemy right now uh, to destroy you? Uh, what are you thinking? Uh, what are you doing? Uh, what's going through your mind right now uh, that you don't understand? It's a fatal uh, attraction uh, when you elevate uh, the desire of your flesh uh, to become your God, uh, then you lose all sense uh, of reality uh, and spiritual uh, perspicuity. It's a spirit of deception. She calls, oh, the Philistines are coming, he breaks the ropes. Third time, third time he says, well, I'll tell you what. If they'll take my hair and put it in a weaver's beam in the web, notice how close he's getting now to his consecration. Notice how close he's getting now to act the actual line of consecration in his life. Finally, she puts it on him. Bible says that she went to him daily. She pressed him daily with her words until his soul was vexed unto death. 
she pressed him to the place that the Bible says that he finally told her all of his heart. He finally opened himself up and made himself completely vulnerable. And when he did, she called them. The men came, shaved his head. Samson, wake up! The Philistines are upon you. And the Bible said this time she afflicted him. She started hitting him. And the Bible said that the presence of the Lord left Samson. And he got up and he began to shake himself as at other times. And this time, the unthinkable happened. This time, he went to shake himself and nothing happened. This time, he went to shake himself and he could not feel the presence. How many more times are you going to keep laying your head in the lap of this world and hope uh, that you can come to church uh, and still feel his presence uh, and hoping uh, that you can still lift your hands uh, and feel his presence. Uh, I came to preach to somebody uh, that's involved in a fatal uh, attraction uh, and it's designed to destroy you. Uh, it's designed to take you out. Uh, Satan wants uh, your power with God. Uh, Satan wants to destroy uh, the anointing in your life. Uh, Satan wants to destroy. Music come, who am I preaching to this morning? You're dealing with some things in your life and this morning God sent me to preach to you. Uh, you're holding on to a fatal attraction. That thing that has you captivated is the very thing that's trying to destroy you. That thing that you're enamored with is designed to take you out. Oh, I came to preach to somebody in this place. What is it going to take for you to come to your senses? What is it going to take for you to be shaken and to wake up and realize this is a plot of the enemy against my soul. You're embracing something that is rotting away at your experience with God. You're embracing something that is slowly decaying and weakening the convictions of your life. You're embracing something uh, that a little bit at a time uh, is destroying uh, your commitments to God. Uh, it's slowly eating away uh, at your conviction, uh, at your uh, covenant with God. Uh, and if you're not careful, uh, there's going to come a moment uh, and there's going to come a time uh, when it has successfully uh, eroded every bit uh, of what you had. Uh, and you're going to walk in one day. Uh, 
and say, I don't feel him like I used to feel him. I don't, come on. I'm preaching to somebody right now. There's going to come a day that you walk in and say, I can't pray to worship, to pray. And you're going to wonder, is the preacher? No. It's the fatal attraction that has finally caught you. It's the fatal attraction. I'm preaching to somebody today. How long are you going to keep playing with Delilah? How long are you going to keep riding the fence? How long are you going to keep playing games? When are you going to come to an altar and say, I got to get this for myself? This can't just be mom and daddy telling me. This can't just be pastor telling me. I've got to get a hold of this conviction for myself. Come on, I'm preaching to somebody in this house right now. Uh, you're in a dangerous place. Uh, you're in a dangerous place uh, because you've already begun to question. Uh, you've already begun to wonder uh, why uh, is my walk with God different than it used to be? Uh, why can't I feel uh, conviction like I used to feel conviction? Uh, why am I not touched? Uh, and why can I not cry uh, like I used to cry? cry. Uh, I'm preaching to you. Uh, there's a fatal deception uh, and an attraction to some people right now. Come on, I want us to stand all over this house. God is speaking to some people right now. Do you want to know how Samson was finally delivered? Samson gave his very life. And it's not until the death uh, of your flesh uh, that you can release yourself uh, from the fatal attraction. Uh, I tell you what needs to happen in this room. Uh, there's some people that need to come to an altar uh, and die on the altar this morning. Uh, there's some people that need to bring your flesh uh, to an altar this morning uh, and say, all right, God, uh, I'm done. Uh, I'm through with that thing. Uh, I've got to come on. Uh, you got to let it go uh, before it kills you. Uh, you gotta let it go uh, before it takes you to hell. Uh, you gotta let it go uh, before it drags you out of the church. Uh, you better let it go. Uh, come on, who am I preaching to this morning? Uh, who am I preaching to this morning? Uh, come on, there's some things uh, you're connected with. Uh, there's some things you're attracted to uh, that are fatal. Uh, if you don't let them go, uh, they're going to be the end of your testimony. Uh, if you don't release them, come on, uh, all over this house, uh, somebody lift your voice. Uh, somebody lift your voice. Uh, come on. Uh, that's a fatal attraction. Uh, come on, let it go. Uh, let it go. Uh, it's not worth losing your anointing over. It's not worth losing. I want you to hear me right now while you're praying. I want you to hear me right now while you're praying. God just spoke to me. There's some young men and some young ladies in this house that have a call of God on your life and you are a marked individual by the kingdom of hell 
And there are some things in your life that you have let collect and become a point of attraction that are not, I want you to hear me, they, they in themselves are not sinful, but their gateways and their doorways and they're drawing you away from the time you should be spending developing your walk with God right now. Somebody here, you're a man of God. Right now, Satan has brought some things uh, into your life that have become fatal attractions. Uh, and you're trading your time uh, for those things uh, while you should be taking this opportunity uh, to develop your call uh, and your anointing. Uh, and I'm telling you uh, this because I sense uh, that the season is closing. That there is a closing time frame uh, that God has been talking to you. Uh, God has been dealing with you. Uh, and you keep saying, all right, one of these days, God. Uh, and God's already been working on you. Uh, you need to get that out of your life. Uh, the Bible says to lay aside uh, every sin uh, and wait. There's some of us in this room, we've got some weights that we've become attracted to. We've got some things that are killing, robbing us of our time. Robbing us of our sensitivity to the Holy Ghost. Destroying uh, some of the things. Uh, and today I sense God uh, saying the season is closing. Uh, there's a time that God is calling you. Uh, there's a time frame uh, that God is reaching for you. Uh, come on, who am I talking to right now? Uh, I'm preaching to some young men uh, and some young ladies right now. Uh, that God said somewhere, uh, you got to take this call uh, as serious as I do. Uh, you got to take my anointing for the season over a fatal attraction. Come on, somebody right now. It's time to turn some things loose. Come on, somebody right now. It's time to let go of some things and put them on the altar this morning. Come on. Come on, young man. Come on, young lady. It's time to put it on the altar and die to yourself. It's time to put it on the altar and to die out to yourself today. Come on, in Jesus' name. Come on, young man. Come on, young man. You're trading trinkets for treasures. Come on, young man. You're trading shallow connections for heavenly visitations. Come on, young lady. You're trading a cheap imitation that makes you feel good about yourself for the blessing and the riches of God. It's a fatal uh, attraction. Like Come on, break the attraction. Come on, break the attraction. Come on, break the attraction. I'm done. I'm through with this thing. I'm laying it on the altar. I'm giving it to God. Come on, Samson. Come on, Samson. Come on, Samson. Come on. Come on, all over this house. All over this house. Come on. You're wondering why. 
You're struggling to connect with the presence of God right now. You're in the tractor beam of a fatal, fatal attraction. You need to jump out of your seat and run to an altar and say, God, I'm laying myself on the altar today. Come on. Come on, young lady. Don't you dare just sit there this morning. Come on, sir. I'm begging you. Don't just sit there. Lift your hands in the presence of God. God, I need you. God, I need you. Come on, I need you. Come on. Come on. Come on. God's trying to work with you. God's trying to talk to you. God's trying to deal with you. He's trying to speak to you.